wind the clock forward, or for most of us here, wind the clock back, and picture yourself as a teenager, a teenager in that old high school gym, wandering aimlessly at the annual careers fair. The variety of trestle tables is as overwhelming as the bright colors and, and the souvenirs. And as a result, the, the, the goths have opted out entirely, but the jocks are there. They, they dress up in firefighter clothing and, and banter with one another. Meanwhile, the popular brainy crowd have swung stethoscopes around their necks. They imagine themselves on ER. You know who you are. And as teenage you approaches every table, you're asked the same question. So what, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? In England, where I grew up, uh, we didn't have fun careers fairs. We, the closest we got was a personality-based uh, digital questionnaire, uh, a computer-generated uh, thing which would tell you what to be at the end. After plugging in my likes and dislikes, the computer told me to be at 50% farmer and 50% lawyer. Uh, it really was useless. Yet wherever we grew up as teenagers, the, the question was never quite the right one, was it? Because for most teenagers, indeed most of us still today, the question we ask is not what do I want to be, but rather who do I want to be? Age 15, I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do, but I knew who I wanted to be. I wanted to be Stephen. For age 15, all my role models were called Stephen. I wanted to be Stephen, my oldest cousin. After all, he was, uh, he was family, and I didn't have an older brother. Uh, Stephen was the eldest and the first to go off to college. But also age 15, I wanted to be Stephen Gerrard the best soccer player of all time in my mind, a man who was paid millions just to, to kick a ball around a field. And yet also, age 15, I wanted to be Stephen Lodge, an unmoved, unemotional police detective in our church, a kind of hardened Sherlock Holmes character, if you want to confirm all those British stereotypes. You see, more than being just told what to do, we look for inspirations to show us who to be. Whether we are young or old, we, we, we do not just need jobs to do, but role models to follow. God has wired us to be copycats. And so we look for model men and, and model women. Indeed, in 2020, we increasingly see that, that power rests, not with politicians or indeed pop stars anymore, but with so-called influencers, people who seemingly just record their lives on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, Facebook. The 21st century technology is new, but the theory is old. In every age, every person looks for a faithful role model. And you know, the same was true in the first century. Role models were just as critical then. And the apostle Paul knew it. He knew the importance not only of, of telling people what to do, but of giving them examples of who to be. Accordingly, as we turn once more to the book of Philippians this morning, at the end of chapter 2 specifically, and please do turn there with me now if you haven't done so already. 
we see that, that Paul is not just content to give these young Christians imperatives. He seeks to give them inspirations. Indeed, if you'll look down with me, you can plot out the outline of Paul's uh, letter and what he's seeking to do at this next juncture. In the first part of chapter 1, uh, Paul has told these young Christians in Philippi that he's thankful for them. And then the second part of uh, that first chapter, Paul tells them what's happened to him. And then right at the end of that chapter, starting at verse 27 and, and going all the way down to chapter 2, verse 11, Paul states his desire for these young Christians as they grow up in the faith. And Paul's desire is that chapter 1, verse 27, they live lives worthy of the gospel, having chapter 2, verse 2, the same mindset of Christ. Uh, essentially, Paul states Christians are Christ-like. And so then in chapter 2, uh, verses 12 to 18, Paul applies that, that overarching statement to their local situation at Philippi. And as we saw last week, that meant that they were to work hard to, to obey God as, as God worked in them, which meant living in, in harmony with one another. In short, Paul's career advice was this, be Christians, be followers of Christ, put other Christians first. And yet Paul, the master communicator, is not just content to leave it there. For like every good communicator, having stated his point and having applied his point, Paul now illustrates this point. And so Paul gives this Philippian church, two role models. Two role models. Friends, will you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should also have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious." to receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Please be seated. Upon first reading, our passage this morning seems rather mundane, does it not? Indeed, it's tempting to read this section as, a, as an insignificant travel itinerary, and the people mentioned as, as nothing more than, than Paul's lackeys. Paul will first send Epaphroditus with this, with this very letter that we hold in our hands. And Epaphroditus will be Paul's kind of FedEx delivery boy. 
He'll carry this letter from Rome to Philippi. And then Paul will send at Timothy as kind of substitute teacher. He'll check their homework and give news of Paul's trial. And, and that's it. Hadn't we better just start chapter 3? But as I've just explained from the context, there's far more going on here. For Timothy is far more than just a substitute teacher, and, and Epaphroditus is far more than just a FedEx delivery boy. For Timothy and Epaphroditus are painted by Paul as role models of what Paul has just spoken about. Paul effectively says, listen, Philippians, if you want to know all, what all this looks like, if you want to see my words in action, watch these two. For these two illustrate a life worthy of the gospel, 127. These two illustrate the mindset of Christ at 2 verse 2. Uh, these two illustrate counting others more significant than themselves. Two, three, they empty themselves, take the form of servants. Two, eight, they do not grumble, do not dispute. Two, 14, they will sacrificially serve you. Timothy and Epaphroditus are your Christ-like role models. Accordingly this morning, in what ways are these two men like the Lord Jesus? What, what marks these men as, as worthy role models for the church at Philippi, first of all, and then secondly, for us here today, if we would call ourselves Christians this morning? Well, I think here Paul gives us four, four insights uh, into their Christ-like service. Uh, for first of all, both Timothy and Epaphroditus are Christ-like role models who lose family loyalties to serve others. Christ-like role models lose family loyalties to serve others. The very first, first thing that struck me about this section was not actually at, about um, how a Timothy and Epaphroditus would, would go on to serve the church of Philippi, but rather how they'd already served Paul. For well, how do these two men evidently see themselves in relation to the imprisoned Paul? We, we might expect a relationship a little bit like an employer and an employee, and that would make sense because Paul's employing them to do certain things, uh, Epaphroditus to take Paul's letter and, and Timothy to teach and bring good news. And yet that is not how these two men see themselves. Look with me at verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me. Likewise, verse 25, Epaphroditus has served Paul like a loyal brother. And so, friends, can you see where, where, where model service of other Christians begins? It begins not with our hands, but actually, it begins with our minds. It begins with how we actually start to view other Christians and whether there is a willingness to view other believers like flesh and blood. For evidently, Timothy saw Paul not just as his boss, but as his very father. Likewise, Epaphroditus saw Paul not just as a fellow worker, but, but saw him as a brother. They serve Paul loyally because they, they saw him like family. They saw him in the same way that I used to see my, my, my cousin Stephen, age 15. Flesh and blood. The, the, the respected oldest boy, the, the, the family role model. For Paul was a Christian. 
And so Paul was, was more to them than just a buddy that they'd hang out with on Sunday morning for an hour. More than, than just a parent with, with kids the same age that they could chat to about local schools at coffee. More than just another church member, someone who meant about as much as the, as the member at the local golf club. My fellow church members, let me ask you a question. How do you view in your mind that Christian sat on the other side of the room? If the notion that they are in the same family as you is a million miles away from how you see them, because you understand family to be based on the natural rather than the supernatural, don't be surprised if a Christ-like loyal service of them is pretty hard for you to muster up. And consequently, on the flip side, wonderfully, if you look across the room and you see family, recognize the increasing relational cost of it. These two men served Paul as a, a, like a son and a brother. But practically, what must have happened as a result? Well, they'd have to be willing to, to lose or, or at least loosen family ties. Now, we're not told much about Timothy and Epaphroditus' own family, but we do know that, that Timothy's father was a very proud Greek man. For how, Despite having a Jewish mother, Timothy's father didn't want him circumcised as a baby. He wanted his boy to be known as a, as a, as a strong Greek boy like his dad. And likewise, what was Epaphroditus named by his family? He was named Epaphroditus, literally one favored by Epaphrodite, the Greek goddess of lust and gambling. What a total disappointment these boys must have been to their own earthly pagan fathers and brothers in real life when they became Christians and then looked to serve their new family. Indeed, how hard it often is for unbelievers to, to see someone in their family become a Christian and for them to redefine those, those family loyalties. Perhaps some of us here need to be more sensitive to that. Perhaps others of us here need to be particularly looking out for those who do not come from Christian families. Now, of course, when anyone becomes a Christian, they don't disown their family. Of course not. Christians are loyal to them. Indeed, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul instructs Timothy to tell Christians that they are to provide for their relatives whether they are believers or not. One mark of a Christian is a loyalty to the family that they are born into. And yet, nevertheless, we are to understand that when we are reborn by the Holy Spirit, no longer do we believe that that ancient proverb, blood is thicker than water. No, the loyalty and service we have to those who are, who are born again, those who have gone under the water of baptism, are to be visibly thicker, stronger than ethnic or racial or family blood lines. And Timothy and Epaphroditus are role models of this. Indeed, they are role models of serving their new family and serving their new family how? Just like Jesus. For friends, who did Jesus himself understand his family to be? In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is proclaimed son of God. Jesus' own family say he's out of his mind. And when his family comes looking for him, what does Jesus say? At Mark 3.33, who are my mother and brothers? And looking about at those who sat all around him, he said, here 
are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Accordingly, just a few chapters later in Mark's gospel, in Mark 10, Jesus promises a new gospel family for those who are willing to lose their family for the sake of the gospel. In Mark chapter 10, verse 28, Peter says, Lord, we have left everything to, to follow you. And Jesus sees Peter's loss, and he comforts him lovingly, and he says to him, truly I tell you, there is no one who has lost brothers or sisters or mother or father or children for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children. Timothy and Epaphroditus are those Christ-like role models who gain fathers like Paul and brothers and sisters like those in Philippi. But sometimes their service meant losing, no doubt. For Christ-like role models lose family loyalties to serve others. And yet what else? What else do these role models willingly lose? How else are Timothy and Epaphroditus' role models of what Paul has already implored in this chapter? Well, secondly, we see that they're willing to lose an easy existence. Second aspect of this Christ-like service Christ-like role models lose an easy existence to serve others. As I mentioned previously, when I was 15 years old, one of my role models was Stephen Gerrard. Uh, Stephen Gerrard was a top soccer player uh, who served my football team uh, for, for 20 years faithfully. And he also served England as World Cup captain. He was very much uh, my role model on the pitch, but as a rather average soccer player, uh, it was more his day-to-day -day service of, of my club and my country that, that I wanted to emulate. For what did his service look like? Well, practically, we're told in the biographies of his life, 8 a.m., get up in your English country mansion. 9 a.m., drive to work in your new Aston Martin. 9.30, arrive at training and read the newspaper. 10 a.m., get a massage. 10.30, run around outside with your friends. 12.30, eat a delicious lunch. 1 p.m., chat to some doting fans. 2 p.m., drive home, you're done for the day. What service to club and country for the average teenage boy? What a role model. And yet, what a far cry. What a far cry from the service of these two role models that Paul lifts up here. For these men who have already served a dying old man practically and spiritually while he was in a, a dirty and savage Roman prison cell, now turn to serve the church at Philippi, for very soon these men will be sent. Epaphroditus will be sent once Paul finishes his letter. And Timothy will be sent when Paul finishes up his trial. Indeed, the word sent is repeated four times in this little section, twice to describe each man's service which perhaps doesn't sound too hard a service, does it? Until we realize that the roads then were, were laden with danger, from highwaymen to, to, to hunger, from, from, from wild weather to, to wild animals. It doesn't sound too hard a service until we realize that, that, that Rome to Philippi was 800 miles. Paul's sending of Epaphroditus with this letter is akin to me giving you a kind of four-page letter 
and telling you that I want to encourage some Christian friends and asking you to just pop down to them on foot to hand deliver it to them, and they live in Houston because that is exactly the same distance from here. Serving brothers and sisters in Christ in the first century meant more than just popping down to do a local prison visit. It meant going down roads of absolute peril. Friends, what do you think Christian service means? If we see Christians rightly, as our own family, to what lengths will we be willing to go for them and to them? And what type of existence are we therefore willing to accept? Many of us, all of us perhaps, want a kind of Stephen Gerrard Christian existence. We all secretly want to uh, go down to the, the training ground of church and have our name up in ministry lights, a, a service that requires no real sacrifice at all. But we're reminded here that model Christian service means some degree of discomfort and hardship. It is not only a cognitive recognition that the Christian next to us is our family. Rather, it is an active going to brothers and sisters and serving them like our family. And so it is a willingness to lose an easy existence. Practically, it may mean losing all kinds of things. Losing free time to go down and pray with one who's sick. Losing a lazy Sunday morning to, to go down to church and to set up all the sound. Losing a date night to go down and help a fragile marriage. Losing an afternoon to put your name down for clearing the ice and snow, as many of you kindly did yesterday afternoon. Indeed, friends, I, I rejoice. I rejoice that in this room there are so many models of service here. People who do what I've just described. Staff who come in early and leave increasingly late. And deacons who serve us practically in many, many unseen ways. And volunteers who come in and help with children and visitors and, and, and lay elders who do not look for their name up in lights, but look to look after other people in this place. And perhaps above all, the spouses of those very people, those in our church who quietly serve the servants and endure sometimes a harder existence at home, the spouses of staff, who sort everything out so their spouses can come down early to church and, and get everything set up. And the spouse of the guy who's serving again on sound, who goes downstairs to do breakfast for everybody early. The wives of, of the elders, who may not go down to the hospital themselves, but put the kids down for the tenth night running so that their husband can visit the sick. Friend, if that's you, thank you. And please know your role model status in our church and that often you are far better Timothys and, and Epaphroditus's than many of us on stage. For Christ-like role models lose an easy existence to serve others. And how do we know that? Because again, this is the type of service that Christ showed us. For in the same way that Christ not only was, was willing to lose family loyalties for us, Christ was willing to lose an easy existence for us. For Christ did not just come to put the kids down to bed or come down to the hospital or, or come down even from, from, from Rome to Philippi. 
Christ-saving service of a sinful you and I meant coming down from heaven to earth. Chapter 2, verse 5. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God up on high, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, came down by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Because Christ came down to serve on earth, these two happily go down and serve this church. Having accepted Christ as Lord, they share his mindset. Again, Timothy and Epaphroditus are Christ-like role models to this church in Philippi. The question is, is, will they be role models to us? And what about people in our church? Who are those role models? Could you be a role model to someone else? Christ-like role models lose family loyalties to serve others, lose an easy existence to serve others. And thirdly, Christ-like role models lose sleep to serve others. According to Morning Edition on NPR, Americans are no longer getting enough sleep Uh, Recent research from Ball State University, Indiana, uh, tells us that the number of us uh, getting uh, inadequate sleep, uh, that is seven hours or less, has risen to around uh, by 8% just in the last decade. A professor of health uh, studies at Ball State, Dr. Chubchum Dandy, uh, told NPRY, in a word, he said, stress. Diet, exercise, not looking at your phone at night can help, but ultimately, He says it's stress. If you're a police officer who's just come from a major incident, he said, it's hard for the brain to rest, and if that state is not achieved, you don't sleep. As I listened to NPR that morning, I wondered whether my teenage role model, British detective Stephen Lodge, ever slept. As a teenager, I assumed that that Stephen just, just slept perfectly, As an unemotional Sherlock Holmes kind of figure, he probably solved some horrific case and and played a few introspective tunes on the the violin and then slept for nine hours as soon as his his head touched the pillow. Maybe he didn't even need any sleep at all. Friends, what about your role models? Your cool professor with the upturned genes who's obsessed with his subject but doesn't really care about the students. Your calm female boss who overlooks the squabbling of the male upstarts, your favorite musician, your unflappable Pilates teacher, even perhaps your seemingly stress-free pastor. Are they people who need sleep or are they stress-free, unmoved by their their finances and their colleagues and their kids and their deadlines and their, their chances of getting COVID or skidding on the ice this morning? I think it's very easy for us to assume that our role models don't get stressed. Partly because we put our role models up on a pedestal, but also because we often choose good role models, for rarely will we want to follow anyone who's stressed. Indeed, if we're mature Christians, uh, we think of choosing mature role models, and surely then someone who is super chilled. Mature Christians are content. They don't get angry. They rest in God's sovereignty. They probably sleep really, really well. After all, didn't Jesus say, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself? 
And yet here, to my great surprise, honestly, these two models, Timothy and Epaphroditus, are not sleeping well. They are seemingly stressed, worried at the very least. Look with me at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Likewise, verse 25, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. These role model men, says Paul, are not sleeping well. I hear them padding around in their pajamas at night. I hear them tossing and turning on the, on the camp beds outside uh, my prison. They, they, they visit me and with, with dark circles around their eyes and cups of coffee in their hand. Uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus, though they see me as their very father and brother, they They want to leave Rome very soon and they want to make that 800-mile treacherous journey because they are genuinely concerned about you and because they are interested in your spiritual lives and because they long for you and because they are distressed about your worry for them. My friends, thus far we have seen the toll of model Christ-like service to other Christians mentally in how we think of other Christians and physically, in terms of how far we'd go for other Christians, but now we see the toll of model Christ-like service emotionally. Accordingly, it is perhaps here where we as Christians need some new role models. For I wonder how many of us, myself included, struggle to sleep at night. Not because of our work, our deadlines, our children, our finances, our marriages, our health, the viability of our housing situation, our interests, but struggle to sleep because we spend so much time anxiously pondering the interests of other people right here. My friends, my role models in Christianity, in Christian ministry in particular, used to be great preachers of the past. But increasingly, my role models in Christian ministry are the poor sleepers of the present. Those in this room and those who are listening in on Zoom who sometimes tell me, I couldn't sleep last night because I was worried about them. I've just been able to to work that much this week because I can't stop thinking about this this pastoral issue. I think I want to go and see that, that missionary friend because I'm concerned. I'm concerned about their church situation. Friend, could it be that you sleep too well? And if you sleep badly, why is that? Is it because you are like The others on Paul's list of possibilities to send to Philippi. Verse 21, those more concerned with their own interests. Or is it because you are like Timothy? Verse 20, one who is genuinely concerned for the welfare of other Christians. Christ-like role models lose sleep to serve others. And finally this morning, final point as we close. Christ-like role models lose their very lives to serve others. Christ-like role models lose their very lives to serve others. In verse 27 onwards, we're we're told a little side story by Paul here. 
presumably en route from, from Philippi to Rome. Epaphroditus got very sick on, on his journey, and the Philippians heard about it. And Paul tells them that they were very right to be worried. For look at verse 27. Indeed, he was near to death. He didn't just have a few blisters from the long journey. He didn't just get seasick crossing the Adriatic Sea. We nearly had to bury this loyal mailman, says Paul. But as a result, now that Epaphroditus is fully better, Paul says, verse 28, I want you to see him again. And I want you to honor him with great joy, verse 27. Have him stand up in church and applaud him when he jogs in with this letter. But again, why, why are the Philippians to honor him? Not because of Epaphroditus' powers of recovery, not because of his athletic ability, not because he was the most faithful male man in all the Roman Empire, but because, verse 30, look with me, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. What is the final aspect of this role model service of other Christians? It is a willingness to lose your life for the work of Christ and his people. Service meant what, verse 30? It meant massive, massive risk. Literally in the Greek, he gambled his life. Some commentators therefore think that Paul is, is having a bit, of a bit of a joke at this point making a bit of a pun with Epaphroditus' name, saying that Epaphroditus uh, literally won favored by the, the, the Greek goddess of gambling, gambled his life with the one true God, for the one true God, rather. Well, whether it was wordplay or not, it was clearly true, wasn't it? Epaphroditus was willing to, to gamble it all for the gospel, gambling his very life for the sake of other brothers and sisters in a different part of the world. This past Wednesday afternoon on Zoom, I got to speak to our dear missionary friends and members of our church, Drew and Caroline Avery. And as many of you know, the Averys are in Switzerland right now. They are learning French in order that they might long-term support uh, Christian brothers and sisters in Niger, uh, in West Africa. Uh, Drew and Caroline called me uh, on Wednesday to ask me a theological question and thank me for pastoring them as they hung up. But, but as, I, as I pressed that, that little uh, leave meeting button, I honestly felt far more ministered to. Indeed, it was probably the sweetest and most encouraging time of my ministry here so far. For as we shared life together and day-to-day -day challenges and the, and the relative gospel bleakness of, of Europe and Africa and then prayed together for one another, I was challenged by their great willingness to gamble, to risk their very lives for the sake of other Christians. For here were two doctors, graduates from Vanderbilt University, Two well-paid, healthy, smart people in their early 30s. People who had no earthly reason to be gamblers. To take a risk. To sell up their Nashville lives and move four and a half thousand miles from us. And then finally to a poor country where believers in Christ are often persecuted. Friends, what gamblers of life.
What role models of risk for us here today? Role models that should cause you and me to ask, what am I gambling? What am I willing to risk in life? Perhaps for you it is just putting yourself out there with another Christian, risking embarrassment. Perhaps it's financial risk. Perhaps it's a a great risk in, in evangelism. Perhaps it's the risk of making your role model Stephen. Stephen in the Bible. I'll let you ponder that for your homework. Because friends, what I want us to see as we close is why Christians serve like this. For I'm sure that the Averys would be the first to tell you that they did it, not because they were ultimately following the path of the servant Epaphroditus who served the church in Philippi, but because they are following the path of the suffering servant, the one who served them, the one who really did risk it all, that the one who put his life on the line and lost it, the one who willingly laid down his life for us, the one who you may find life in today. If you turn to trust in him, if you live with Jesus as your life. Philippians 2 verse 5. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we confess that though we have been incredibly served by your very Son, Father, we confess that we struggle to serve those in our very own family. We struggle to see other Christians as family. We struggle to lose an easy existence. We struggle to really care, to really be bothered. We are so very far from serving others to the point of death. And so, Father, would you please help us? We admit that the strength to obey your commands and follow and serve could never come from us. And so we ask and pray that you'd help us to dwell, to meditate on how Christ served us and that you might be pleased to use little us to serve your people. Please use us in any way that you choose for your glory and for your people's good. In Jesus' name we pray.